Well, it's a fact of life that siblings squabble. Look at Liam and Noel or Kane and Dable. Well, we ain't got a bandana, don't wanna kill you. But we'll sit and chat and argue about cinema reviews. Who is right? Is it me or him? Well, you were always mother's favourite. Are you still singing that hymn? Prepare for a battering, it's time for the squabblings! Hello and welcome back to Squabblings, the sibling podcast where me, Charlotte... And me, Tom. ...talk about all manner of film and TV through our unique and colourful family lens and we discuss shit and chat shit and talk about shit shit and... Get banged. Shit. Yeah. Shit. I think we're getting into swinging things down. We're finding our niche. We're finding our role. We're finding our bounce. Indeed. Today we've got a very special episode. This yes. is a a battle, a head-to-head. It's a versus, isn't it? Yes, it is. Do you want to tell us a bit more about it, Tom? What, what are we battling out today? So we are taking a look at two very special music films that came out in the last, I don't know, 18 months or so. Maybe less than that, a year maybe? Yes, both are fairly music-centric and both would be described as biopics and they are, of course, Bohemian Rhapsody, the Queen biopic and Rocket Man, the Elton John biopic. Indeed, yes. Yeah, so this is going to be kind of a little bit of a head-to-head, uh, talking about which film we think ultimately worked the best, uh, who had the, the best cast, who had the best production values, because they are similar, but they're also very different as well, aren't they? Mm, yes, yeah. For starters, I think the, the Bohemian Rhapsody one has more of a grounded, down-to-earth feel, and for all intents and purposes, Rocket Man is sort of a musical, isn't it? It is, yes. I think Elton John uh, has said, very specifically, that Rocketman was not meant to necessarily be a biography of his life. It was more meant to be like a film inspired by his life. Whereas, Mm. yeah, Bohemian Rhapsody goes more down the traditional sense of a biopic. Which, to be honest, I don't know why he would have said that, because no one's ever going to take it as that. Everyone's always going to see a film about someone's life and assume it's trying to be as accurate as possible, aren't they? Yeah, that is true, especially to an audience who might not recognise what is fact and what is fiction. But having said that, I don't think anybody went to sit down in Rocket Man and thought, oh, little Elton John obviously did you know, conduct orchestras in his mind. Oh, well, you say and- that, but what has become present from the Rocket Man film is that everyone thinks Elton John certainly hated his dad or not not even hated his dad just wanted his dad to love him and yeah. his dad was a cold unfeeling bastard <laughs> and in fact i i read a very good article that came out um uh, elton has two half brothers one of whom is a bit of a hippie character that lives in wales and, and <laughs> that's where af- all the hippies live now in yeah, wales <laughs> well he lives in like a sort of socialist commune i think you know like a, a hippie oh, socialist commune okay. and after the film came out he hit back and said, oh. you know, our dad was a loving, warm character who was never afraid to hug anyone and was incredibly proud of Elton's achievements. You know, he went to see his concerts, he bought his records and so on. I think this is the thing with biopics, especially about people that are still alive and whose close relatives are still alive. They're always going to kick up drama and fuss. And I think that's kind of what they're looking for when they put out something yeah. like this, aren't they? But- to, to an extent, that would not have made as good a film no. as a shaky relationship with your dad. They probably, because I think Elton John's partner, I don't know his name, I've forgotten his name. David. Yeah, it's, it, it is David <laughs> something, isn't it? Maybe but the he, voice of hindsight can tell us. He was one of, 
Voice of hindsight. <laughs> <laughs> but he was one of the executive producers on it, I think. And obviously, he's not going to get Elton's history wrong, being his long-term partner. Mm. So they've obviously made a creative choice to do it for the story, which is fair enough, I think, actually. Yeah. It's it's interesting that these two films came out essentially almost back to back. When Bohemian Rhapsody was kind of coming out of cinemas, the Rocket Man was announced to be happening soon. Mm. And I for one thought that these two films would usher in a whole kind of new generation of biopics about musicians. Yeah, well they were they were there were certainly two biopics I very much wanted to see. Yeah. Two artists so I'm very, very into yeah, you are a massive Queen fan, aren't you, Tom? I think I mean, anyone who's listened to any of our jingles I mean, would be able to pick this up. I mean, I, I'm a massive Elton John fan as well. I mean, <laughs> they the both have their merits. I mean, I think Queen have the edge slightly. You do? In terms of their music, yes. But, I mean, the thing is, that's a four-man show. Elton John's a, a one, or, you know, a one-and-a-half-man show, I guess. Fans of the f- uh, show as well should know that, Tom, you play a Brian May guitar, don't you? <laughs> I have I have my own signature burns brian may guitar which is very nice i bought it i think when i was like 14 so this this film was literally for you it was this it's film. for all the nerds out there like me and there's a very funny moment in fact wasn't there where it was it lasted only about <laughs> yeah, half a second this, yeah. when we were watching bohemian rhapsody and instantly i, I said stop the tape charlotte stop the tape <laughs> go back go, <laughs> go back, back now and, go back now and what had happened in a live show there was a shot for only about half a second of Brian May playing a Gibson Les Paul. And I was like, sacrilege, <laughs> this would never happen. No one else cares but you. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's common knowledge that Brian May is not interested in any way about playing any guitar other than his own. He made his own guitar. It's, it's funny how anal people get about films like this and they always you you will always have you know, like uh, millions of articles uh, pointing out you know 10 things that were wrong in rocket man or 10 yeah. t- top 10 errors in to Bohemian be honest, Rhapsody. i don't really care like I, I know i pointed it out but i i don't really care about that sort of stuff it's like watching say a biopic of jesus's life and saying well, did the man in fact wear mink leather skin sandals or were they yeah. cowhide sandals? You know, I'm more interested in the, the drive of the story and how good it's portrayed on screen rather than nitpicky, douchey details. Exactly. I think you've kind of hit the nail on the head there. People have got to realise that this is a narrative device. It's a film. It's an entertainment mm. thing. And it's, I'm not, gonna it's watch, not a documentary. Yeah, I'm not I'm not going to watch like The Passion of the Christ and be like, well, oh, that, that's obviously a gooseberry fawn <laughs> of crowns that he's crown of fawns he's wearing and it was actually made from rosebush fawns the crown you know yeah i think for people's um criticisms especially of bohemian rhapsody centered around the live aid concert and mm. when he told the band members he had aids and that, that actually happened after live aid but did these kind of people did like, do they not realize that cer- certain plot points will be moved around for yeah, dramatic effect for, in the same the way like you said characters are used for dramatic effects and to, to be fair unfortunately elton's dad got shafted with that one didn't yeah he? elton's dad got shafted and talking about another character john reed who was john he was reed present in both films makes an appearance in both of these films and i didn't realize this yes until you pointed john, this out john to reed me. was the talent manager and uh record label liaison for both queen and elton mm. Uh, and he does get dub- he gets a double shafting, doesn't he? He does. He's played by Richard Madden in Rocket Man. Yeah. And he he is then also played by oh gosh, can't remember the actor's name, but he plays Littlefinger in Game, Game of, of Thrones. Thrones. Yeah. And 
because obviously they're played by two different actors and I didn't make the link but of course yes it's the same person and in both of those films he he well certainly in Rocketman he gets the kind of the shafting as the villain role very much so in Rocketman less so in Bohemian in, Rhapsody in Bohemian Rhapsody it's a different angle in a sense he gets thrown out by Freddie Mercury doesn't he, he gets phased out as the manager yes but it's sort of hinted at that basically that Paul Prenter did a double agent shafting where he shafted John Reed <laughs> to get shafted by Freddie Mercury you know so in fact it wasn't really too many shaftings there (laughs) so it wasn't really the hint was it wasn't really John Reed's fault yeah I think it is it's it's interesting that we're kind of now entering the age in which we're making biopics about people who who are still alive like beforehand I'm thinking of the biopics I've seen in the past for instance uh, Frida about the life of Frida Kahlo Mm -hmm. and well there's um, a Hendrix biopic the Hendrix biopic a lot of these people they're they're long dead and you don't have to like suffer the 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 fallout from having this person maybe not represented in mm. such a, a, a delightful way well, th- as you do now with, with with these types of films i think in the past biopics have been a thing generally when people passed away so that they cannot chat well it's, 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 there's it's a de- easier there's for them a not to of, challenge the film, isn't yes, it? Yes, there's a degree of separation between the life and then the art of the biopic. Yeah, and i think w- it might have been a very different story if, say, Queen and Elton John hadn't had a, much of a part to play yeah. in in the making of their biopic films, uh, respectively. But but they have, and I think that they, they were keen to do so, in a sense, to preserve their legacy. Yeah, yes. Yeah, so so um, reading the the film summaries, Bohemian Rhapsody is a 2018 biographical drama film about Freddie Mercury, the lead singer of the British rock band Queen. It was directed by Brian Singer from a screenplay by Anthony McCartan and produced by Graham King and Queen manager Jim Beach. So it was produced by Miami. It was produced by Miami <laughs> Beach, who's that. in the film, yeah. Yes. It stars Ramin Malik as Mercury with Lucy Boynton, Gwilym Lee, Ben Hardy, Joe Mazzello, Aidan Gillen, Tom Hollander, Alan Leach and Mike Myers in supporting roles. Queen members Brian May and Roger Taylor served as consultants, as you were saying. Yes, yeah. so these two worked very closely in the creation of this biopic. And for Rocketman, Rocketman is a 2019 biographical musical film based on the life of British musician Elton John. Well, if you couldn't figure that out, you're a, you're adult, aren't you? <laughs> Directed by Dexter Fletcher and written by Lee Hall. It stars Taron Egerton as Elton John, <laughs> Jamie Bell, who I actually quite liked, as Bernie Taupin, Richard Madden as John Reed, the shafting of shaftings, and Bryce Dallas Howard as Sheila Eileen. The film follows John in his early career and throughout his days in England as a prodigy at the Royal Academy of Music. Hats off, Royal Alumni to Elton John. Through his musical (laughs) partnership with Bernie Taupin. So, in a sense, very similar premises, but they do go in very different directions. Uh, So, are we ready to start comparing? Let's compare some notes. when Bohemian Rhapsody and uh, Rocketman came out, uh, I didn't think the two films would be as big as they they turned out to be. Because 
Mm. As, as we've kind of said, I thought these films would be for the Queen nerds, for the Elton John nerds. Yeah. But they have been insanely popular, with, and, and especially with people who didn't really uh, rate their music beforehand. Uh, certainly Bohemian Rhapsody, I yeah. think, has brought Queen back again to another generation yeah and elton john it's funny you say that because obviously me working in a school i sometimes lean over my desks and see what my kids are listening to and quite a couple of them sometimes they've been listening to the rocket man soundtrack yeah and as a, as a guitar teacher coinciding with the film's releases you do get requests for things like oh can i learn a queen track or can yeah. i learn elton john so it is it is once nice again to in the minds that. of the young people yeah. which is cool yeah, and and like you say, it's, it's it's bringing that music to a new generation of kids who probably maybe beforehand would have seen it as my dad's music and yeah. you know, old person music. And well, it I mean, it is though, isn't it? It kind of is, but... <laughs> I mean, yeah, if you think about our mother, who was born in 1960, mm-hmm. you know, those those were the years for her that Queen Anne Elton... Were both in their zenith. Mm, and, and their releases would have been targeted at people mum's age, you know, mm. prime release for teenagers and people in their early 20s is basically what most of the music industry is targeted at, well, isn't it? And, and having said that, when I went to see Rocketman in theatres, most of the people in the theatre were our mother's age. Mm. Pe- yeah, people who have obviously grown up buying out and stuff and listening to out and stuff. And that's why I initially thought... Uh, I don't think th- th- this film will be nice for the nerds and and the people who have always liked these mm. bands. And I was very genuinely surprised when the younger generation really started getting behind these films and these artists. Well, I think both artists have a universal appeal, don't they? Yeah, especially uh, with the Elton um, film uh, and uh, Hollywood. In recent years, have really started to actively try and represent more LGBT stories, and mm-hmm. um, and also with Bohemian Rhapsody. So I'm I'm wondering if part of the film's success has been because they're both quite deeply rooted in yeah. the LGBTQ you say plus that. narrative. And I, f- I feel like it was better weaved. It, the struggle with one's sexuality was better handled in Rocket Man than I thought it was in Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, do you think so? Fact, I, I possibly would have gone the other way around mm, there. I think the fact that Freddie Mercury was gay is sort of swept under the rug somewhat in Bohemian Rhapsody. That Really, they just focus on the struggle with the AIDS at the end and him trying to realise his goals of being a successful musician. It's sort of treated like a, a dirty secret that he's gay. Well, it's because sort of, back then it would have been his dirty secret. It would have been considered to have been his... Like That's that's what it would have been Oh, I know, but it still felt like oh, they or, were reflecting that in the attitude of the film. Yes, but I think in Rocketman as well, they kind of play off for laughs, which I didn't like as much, you know? So, for instance, when... Um, Elton is seeing the the girl, the woman he's living with, and then he he finds out he's gay, and then she throws him out, and he, she's throwing all his stuff out the window. That was kind of played for laughs. Similarly, when um, uh, Richard Madden <laughs> comes to visit him, and he's re- recording his song with Kiki D, and they kind of go off for a little snog mm. in the, in the in the in the cupboard. It's 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 difficult when you say that because I thought that Rocket Man deals with it in a in a more raw and realistic way mm. the, the struggle of elton having to deal with trying to find love and meaning you know as a gay man yeah in 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 the 70s and 80s a little bit better i was very than i think i was very pleased that they chose not to cut out his marriage because yeah, i thought that that would be a, a yeah. thing that they would uh cut for narrative because he married a german lady didn't he just yes. for like the shiggles 
Well, I think most maybe because he was trying to, 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 to disguise, <laughs> yeah, or for tax, or even as her, like for a beard, maybe a beard. Yeah, what's that? You don't know what a beard is? No, is yeah. this a gay term like twinks and something? <laughs> A beard is um, a kind of a fake partner that you use as your like shield to hide being gay. So if you were a gay man, you'd have a beard wife, oh, and I if see. you were a lesbian woman, you'd have a beard husband. Right. So because you know the beard hides the face. That, yeah. That's like where the terminology comes okay. from. How did you not know that? You have you. You're one of your best friends is gay. Uh, that, that's true, but him <laughs> he himself is not one of those people that's super well plugged into the LGBT community. <laughs> he's just gay, and that, that's he's, him rather he's, than... He's just gay. So, kind of moving on, we talked a little bit about the, the narrative devices used in both of these films. Uh, this was something that um, I, I wrote down, especially whilst watching Bohemian Rhapsody. Uh, we talked about this a little bit, that I, I, I did find it very frustrating that people get pissy that uh, the film doesn't 100% stick to reality. Yeah. And, uh, but but you, you, it's a film. It's going to take dramatic license. Yeah, because I've read the biographies and watched the, the more accurate documentaries about the lives of Queen and the other musicians. And, and to be honest, as a, as a what I'd call an uber fan, not once did I really get pissy about the film structure or content of its uh, truths or yeah. plot points because I just thought it's got to serve a story. It's got to work yeah, as a yeah, film. Yeah, 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 exactly. As it, we talked about the issue with Live Aid and uh, him coming coming out to his to his band members with AIDS in Rocket Man. Yeah. It's also kind of uh, the timeline of things has also played around a little bit with things in Rocket Man with when Elton decided to go to rehab versus yeah. when he released his I'm Still Standing and etc. And that kind of thing around the end of the Rocket Man film as well. Yeah, yeah. But does it really matter? You still get the emotional note of yeah. what the song is. And what They've the obviously means. decided poetically. Yeah. People are going to get a better emotional response from. Yeah, and I think that's completely fair and completely that that's completely justified. But there are other people that would say, "Oh, well, if you want to do a biopic, then you should 100% stick to the time." I don't agree with that, really. And I think. I don't think it matters. Because, like I was saying before, because both of these projects are helmed by the the people that they are about. Yes. They themselves, as highly successfully functioning creative types, will probably not have had much gripe with changing the story a little bit because they realise it serves the purpose of the film. <laughs> Although sometimes I can sense when they change it a little bit too much to kind of blow their own trumpet or make it them <laughs> seem like... <laughs> yeah, we watched Rock we watched um, Bohemian Rhapsody, didn't we? And right at the end, where... where it, it was the fact that they sort of allude to when, when you see shots of Bob Geldof saying to people, get your money, give us the money now. Get and, your and, wallets and, out yeah. and give us your money. And they hadn't raised any money until Queen came on the stage and then suddenly in the 20 minutes Queen are on stage, Britain's suddenly given a million pounds to live it. And, it's like, and we just thought it was like Queen cures famine in Africa, yeah, wasn't it's it? Like I turned to you and said, oh Tom, did you know that Queen ended the famine in Africa? I did, yeah, in Ethiopia right now there are shrines to Freddie Mercury Mercury, just with his hand out like that. Yeah. Um, I also kind of had that moment, especially when they look at the band's early days and they have that kind of... It's almost kind of like when it borders slightly on cringe like when the band are outside in the parking the car park area and then freddie was just like he starts singing, i hear you need yeah. a, a newer singer and then he sings to them and they're 
instantly enamored with him and then uh, they all join in in harmony that that bit was actually the only bit that made me cringe i hate when people just break out into harmony like that yeah i hate that 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 was one of my pet peeves at music college like if you went to a music college (laughs) birthday party and we sang sang happy birthday to the to the recipient nobody would do the main melody because they were all (laughs) (laughs) everyone wants to be the person yeah they were all so muso that no one ever thought I'll just do the main melody. And I always just thought, you know, I'll take one for the team and do the main melody so that we have we have a fucking song that holds together here. <laughs> just music just music college problems. Yeah, music college bands, yeah. <laughs> Although sometimes I think Rocketman was a little bit braver with its cringe. Like, especially covering somebody as flamboyant as Elton John, you know you are going to have those moments that are just a little bit too kind of... Oh, Darling, like um, you know, yeah, some somewhat. Like for instance, that you know that big fight that he has with Bernie Taupin before he's about to go on stage, yeah, and then he just kind of turns back and goes, "I'm sorry," and then holds out his hand dramatically. But I think, (laughs) to be honest, that's reflective of the personalities of the people. Even though Freddie Mercury was gay, I don't really consider him to be like an overtly camp flamboyant man. See, that's true. But I feel that Rocketman was kind of 100% aware of what it was and who it was talking about, whereas Queen. Oscill- the, the Queen movie oscillated between wanting to be gritty and real mm. and also being kind of musical-esque sometimes. Yeah, well... Th- th- it, couldn't, it couldn't decide what kind of biopic it wanted to be, if you know what I mean. I mean, out of the two types of film, I feel like I'd have preferred to see the Elton film not as a musical. I think Bohemian Rhapsody maybe handled it slightly better in a sense that whenever there's music playing on screen... It's it's playback from some live recording or very obscure thing, yeah, or even like a main you know main record that the band were doing at the time. Yes, we we uh, talked. Uh, I mentioned this to you a little bit. I was quite impressed with, especially with Bohemian Rhapsody, that I wasn't bored listening to it because like it could very easily have just been like a karaoke sing along of Queen's greatest hits, but yeah. they really went deep into like first recordings and they, demo tracks they, they, and they things go that out you've of never their heard way before. To, like find very obscure recordings or versions of their tracks, like yeah. like for example when they have that moment when the first song Freddie Mercury does with Queen, you know, they have their first gig together and they do Keep Yourself Alive. Mm. Um, I mean, as an Uber fan, you'd you'd listen to it and you'd be like, oh, actually, I recognise it. That's Queen live at the Rainbow, 1975. <laughs> but, you know, to, to the casual goer, they they wouldn't realise that. And it, it works very well, actually, I think. Yeah, there, there was, like, points in Bohemian Rhapsody, especially, that I was thinking, oh, I'm not quite sure whether Ramin Malik was actually singing that or not. Or, or yeah. did, did you tell me that they did also get a Freddie yeah, Mercury so I, voice-alike? Yeah, I, I saw an interview with Rami Malik, and he said about 75% of it is playback and recordings, and it is Freddie Mercury singing. Uh, and then about 20% of it, is a an exceptionally good sort of Freddie Mercury impersonator called Mark Martel. Mark, Mark Martel, yeah, who heads the Queen Extravaganza, which is like the the only licensed Queen tribute band, which is um, oh, really? uh, musically directed by the members of Queen. Bas- <laughs> so basically, when they're touring in a part of the world as Queen with Adam Lambert, yeah, the Queen Extravaganza will be in a different part of the world, giving. A very um, <laughs> to make sure thorough they queen experience coincide with each other. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Ah. So compared to Rocket Man, though, they had Taron Egerton um, record record the, the songs himself. Yeah, that's the last five percent I forgot to mention was that part of it was actually Rami Malik doing a little bit of Bohemian Rhapsody, and I. Oh, 
really? Yeah, and to be honest, comparing it with Tag and Egerton singing, when you let the main cast member, who is not a trained musician, take on a role of immense challenge like that, especially about someone who is such a bona fide musician, yeah. it's only going to be set up to fail, which is why I think they limited it to like such a small amount of Rami Malek singing. You know, he's doing bits like Freddie Mercury ad-libs when he's like, like yeah. in the mirror, yeah. or he's like singing to himself at the piano. That's Rami Malek. Yeah. See, comparing it to Taron Agerton, though, I, I did actually enjoy hearing his the, the soundtrack of Rocketman. And as like as as time has gone on, I find myself listening much more to the Rocketman soundtrack as I do to the Bohemian Rhapsody soundtrack because I enjoy Taron Egerton's take on the songs. See, and, I, see, I just don't. But the thing, the weird thing not? is, I know that Elton John does, and I know that because of the film, Elton and Tag. Uh, Tar- Taron. God, Taron, yeah, sorry. Tagliatelli Egglytagliatron. Every time you say his name now, you should just say it slightly differently. Yeah. But I just know that Elton and Taron love each other now. And they're like bezies now. So obviously Elton respects Taron and his take on the music, but I just didn't like it. Sometimes I did feel like it was Taron Egerton trying to do his best Elton impression. Yeah. And that was which to some degree you've got to say well it is a film about Elton that's yes, bound to happen that's what you've got to do but also I did think he put his unique spin on on the songs in you know in the same way that if Rocket Man wasn't a film it was a Broadway show mm. um because that is kind of where the, the biopic tradition has come from hasn't it I'm thinking about you know the Carol King musical for yeah, instance and the Michael Jackson musical those actors will have to in a certain degree do an impression of who the musical yeah, is about, and they should, yeah. but also put their own unique spin on it, which well, I think he did quite but well. But if I'm seeing a biopic about someone and you're trying to make it a believable biopic, I don't want to see too much of a unique spin because then it just becomes not that character. Yeah. It takes you out of the moment and you think, oh, that is so-and-so doing uh, a, a cover of Elton, you know, and they're doing their own thing with it, which is fine in a certain context. Like if you're releasing... I don't know a cover to put on your next album as an artist. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's fine, and you know that that's a, a decent part of I, I was music. Say, but... I was just saying though that I liked Rocket Man for what it did in the that delicate balancing act of Taron putting in a stellar performance as him as as Elton, but mm. also as himself as well. I mean, I think whereas it's obvious I think, that... you know, but this is going to piss off a lot of uh, people. I think Rami and Malik essentially just stood there and mimed a lot of the time. Oh, he did. He absolutely did, and that, that's apparent because you like you know it's playback. Yeah, but it doesn't. But it doesn't mean that. Um... See, everybody always goes crazy about Rami and Malik's uh, performance in this film and saying, "Oh, look, he's so method and he's so into it." Well, he is. <laughs> really, but the, the, but the fact is, like with El- Elton John, is not. He's he's more renowned for his songwriting ability, isn't he, than mm. his voice specifically, or or his like personality I Freddie guess. Freddie Mercury when it comes Freddie to Mercury vocals is, is the G of G when it comes to voices isn't he? You know <laughs> he's G one of, of G. Yeah you know he's he's the gangster of gangsters he's the king <laughs> of he's the king of kings when it comes to voices and you just cannot imitate that you you you, you cannot so I think it was a smart decision for them to say we're just going to mime it with some intre- you know some obscure takes and whatever that worked really well and the focus of his performance being method and stuff was getting Freddie's personality, the way he moved, the way he spoke, even to Oh, like... okay, so interestingly you say the way you spoke there. I was waiting for you to say that because 
I thought a big thing that got in the way of Rami Malik's performance was the, um, the the prosthetic or whatever it is that they had in his mouth mm. to make him look like he had more teeth, like Freddie Mercury did. Yeah, it kind of does that. I think Ram- Rami Malik he has kind of this. Uh, he's got this kind of uh, monotone he, voice. He, he kind of it. he kind of sounds like he's got like he's playing fluffy bunnies, and yeah. there's like a there's like a smothering in his voice. Whereas if you and watch that, Freddie Mercury yeah. in an interview, he's perfectly clear, isn't he? He's he's not perfectly clear. I think it's obvious his teeth are getting in the way, but he handles it. Say he's, if Rami Malek yeah. handles it, I don't know, six out of ten. Ha- Freddie Mercury handles it an eight point five nine out of ten. It doesn't get in his way. It def- definitely doesn't get in his way as much as that. Yeah, I think I think that must have been a decision of the directing team or the producing team that they decided Rami Malek was going to wear this prosthetic. But the, the talk, the, the fact is, Freddie Mercury's had his, his speech. You know, yeah, but but the fact is, Freddie Mercury's had his whole life to deal with the teeth, and you think That's for true. a production, <laughs> Rami Malek's had to have those in. I don't know for maybe a year and a half. At most yeah tops yeah so the, it's just not what he's used to and they must be incredibly hard to deal with but but in fact um what i really liked about the performance with his with his teeth and his his little movements and stuff that was that all replicated freddie mercury remarkably well i think going going i mean like going back to the interview thing Fre- freddie mercury obviously in some way if you watch the interviews he's self-conscious about his teeth because he always <laughs> And some somebody else mentioned this to me. He always covers his mouth when he laughs or smiles. Oh, like really? he, he will like cover it with his hand. If you know, like if somebody cracks an outrageously funny joke and you're just forced to give a big ass crack wide smile, he will cover his mouth, or he'll do this thing when he's speaking where he constantly like rolls his his lip his, his lip, over his, his gums teeth. around his teeth. Yeah, yeah, sort of to hide his teeth. And Rami Malik did replicate that sort of behaviour. You know, it was very accurate, and yeah. I enjoyed that. So it's, it's, it's kind of the same. Um, thing of talking about uh, Elton when Elton starts losing his hair yeah in rocket man i'm thinking and, and it's, it was nice to see that rocket man especially was able to kind of poke fun at itself so like b- like back when elton's small for instance mm. they say oh mum i want a quiff and then his mum says oh yeah let him have it while he can he'll be bold as a coot by, by the, the time, time he's, he's 20 yeah yeah, yeah. and it that was, was funny yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's nice to see that they don't take themselves like too seriously like it's not like I mean, elton doesn't care he's had probably like 10 hair transplants by now he's, he's actually got a real head of hair but <laughs> but it's <laughs> From other it's people. just totally well i think no what they do with a hair transplant from a is they take it from his bollock or something <laughs> <laughs> well that's like one of the myths about it but i think what they do is they take it from the back of your head where it's really still um oh i see because that that's thick. where you lose because if, hair yeah last, if you ever look it? at a balding man yeah. they've still always got hair at the back so they'd take a transplant and just stick it on top but babe, so what then you don't have anything left at, at the bottom then no, i don't understand you, you that. do it like regrows really yeah oh that's interesting. The follicles like regrow. Any hair transplant experts, get in touch with yeah. us. Yeah, <laughs> let us know. I mean, that might that might actually be a fiction that it regrows. But to be honest, the coverage might be so good at the back that you won't notice a few missing ones. I don't yeah. know. Um, we, you and me, were meant to be seeing Alton this year, weren't we? Yeah, very sadly, because of the COVID crisis, we had tickets coming up in November. We bought twenty twenty. We, we bought these tickets about two years ago. Yeah, we as bought well. them. We bought them before Rocket Man came out. We got them as a Christmas present in twenty nineteen. Or at 2018, it might have been. Oh, 2018 no, but yeah, or 2018. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, it was yeah meant to be yeah November 2020, and it's now been rescheduled to to November 2021. For fuck's sake, yeah. <laughs> Just think about that. Three years of my life will have gone by from the time I bought the ticket to the time so I actually get actually to go and see, see the show. Yeah, like even at the time of buying them, I was thinking, God, he I've might never f- waited so long to actually go to a concert. He before. might fucking die by the time we get to go and see <laughs> it. Like. 
It's always the danger, isn't it? You always fear that there's going to be kind of like a Michael Jackson scenario, and yeah. you'll, and you'll get fair, uh, you'll get compensated with tickets to like the ABBA tribute mm, band or mm, something. Because to be fair, I've been having cold sweats about Queen because you know they are one of my favourite bands, and I've been thinking for a long, long time. I really, even though there's no Freddie Mercury anymore, obviously, I really need to get off my ass and get some tickets to go and see Queen, whilst. Brian May and Roger Taylor are still performing. Would you go and, and see Queen like that though, with with Adam Lambert and yeah, no John Deacon? Yeah, well, be, because I'm still enjoying the part. You know, two of the members of Queen that are really great doing their own thing. See, I'm almost of the mind that I'm I'm like, well, it's not going to be the Queen that I want and expect. No. So therefore, I might just leave it. I, well, I thought that until it's like when I don't know, you don't appreciate something until it's. N- it's gone or nearly it's gone. It's not there, And yeah. I thought, oh, Jesus Christ, I better get off my ass. Because earlier in the year, about, I don't know, I think it was about a month ago, actually, Brian May had a heart attack. Wow, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, well, I follow him on Instagram and he had a, first he tore his glute maximus during a... Oh, his ass. That's yeah. the gluteus maximus, isn't it? Yeah, he was, gar- <laughs> he was gardening. walking into the doctor? Excuse me, doctor. I've torn, torn my, my ass. ass in half. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 he just torn my ass in half. Yeah, so he had he was gardening and he had a tear in the glute maximus which uh, so he went to the the A&E and he d- I don't think he knew he had a heart being attack Brian but they were like May's you have ass a doctor as well. <laughs> yeah. Yes, carry on, yes. And then and then he had a heart attack. Well, I don't think he knew he'd had a heart attack or it happened during the same debacle as the glute tear that Oh, I see. So it was, was kind of left to the sidelines almost because you can because if your heart attack's not severe enough, you can almost not notice. Exactly. It. I think that's what happened. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because I have the same massive regrets about uh, David Bowie and not seeing mm. him before he sadly passed and away. And Michael Jackson. But the thing with David Bowie is Well, I don't know, Michael Jackson's a pedophile any yeah he, he, <laughs> yeah but he wrote great music didn't he it's, yeah, this this is a whole other debate about separating the art from the artist isn't it I yeah mean, i mean yeah love the art not the artist is this my is, motto. This is the uh the debate people are having now about uh jk rowling aren't they yeah, oh i keep seeing weird things from jk the, like the, people the, referencing the, her twitter account about her being homophobic or something transphobic yeah there's meant to be a couple of tweets that she's put out and people comments that she's liked or she's retweeted something from a yeah that, a, tra- that, a trans yeah like that, a trans reform yeah, camp cri- or something. gender critical people and people are now saying that she's transphobic and it's ruined their perception of harry potter and their childhood etc and i mean why why is it i, I always take umbridge when people say oh it's ruined something umbridge for me. Because... <laughs> 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 yeah. umbridge. <laughs> oh sorry that's another reference to another star kid musical about Harry Potter. You've mm. seen this one, haven't you? With Mama Umbridge. I don't think I've seen the second one, but I do recommend very much go and watch the Harry Potter musical on YouTube. It's fucking great. Yeah, it's very, very funny. Because <laughs> Umbridge is just this, like, bodybuilder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my favourite thing Sadist? is... Um, my favourite thing is, because they basically try and smack, mush a lot of the films all together into the plot of one, don't they, for yeah. the musical. Yeah. My favourite thing is Professor Quirrell and Voldemort together they're like a married couple they have a little kind of love relationship (laughs) they have that they have a great scene in it where (laughs) they're going to bed and Quirrell just like dumps his trousers on the chair and Voldemort's like Quirrell are you gonna fold those no I was just gonna leave them till the morning is that all right no 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 that's not okay (laughs) he's like I don't want to get up right now and Voldemort's just like you put those trousers (laughs) in the hamper right now (laughs) 
It's that's fucking class. Can that, we yeah. just can we just as a civilization just all agree to pretend that Star Kid wrote Harry Potter? Yeah. <laughs> oh, going back to that, yeah, this love of the art, not the artist. I think when you make a great story or a great piece of art, it transcends whoever's made it. You know, Harry Harry Potter, it's like the the story of the hero with the thousand eyes. It's an archetypal story of a a young boy overcoming troubles, isn't it? And but in, being a but, good human. And it doesn't really matter if it was written by a bigot. It's still it's, a, a it's story for kids to look yeah, up to. It's interesting that you say that though, because I don't I can't think of another example of of an author who is so involved in their art as J.K. Rowling is. Like, you know, J.K. Rowling is Harry Potter. Yeah, if to you know some, what I mean. Some degree, like, yeah. Comparing to Well, Michael like, Jackson was pop. <laughs> True. I'm comparing it to someone like Tolkien, for instance. Mm. Tolkien wasn't the Lord of the Rings in the same way as J.K. Rowling was so tied to her art. <sighs> I guess, yeah. And but... Jake and Tolkien also has issues of, um, you know, alleged racism and. But the pro- the problem will always be there can be some horrible people who still make transcendently beautiful pieces of art yeah. because trans, you know, horrible people can still be outrageously good at things mm-hmm. so that's something you have to overcome and try to appreciate the art around them it's like richard wagner who is a a raging horrible anti-semite yeah still wrote some bangers <laughs> yeah you, you can't listen to something like ride of the valkyries and not go oh my god that's an amazing piece of music do you know that nietzsche the philosopher nietzsche had a big old homo crush on wagner I'm pretty sure and, they were buddies. Yeah, well, yeah. But th- this is the kind of the classic kind of white male historian washing history in the way. Like, you know, it's the classic kind of, you know, they were very close friends, mm. nothing else. Like how Patroclus <laughs> and Achilles were, were oh, very close don't friends. Don't get me started. <laughs> and then in the movie, they were cousins. cousins. <laughs> but, in, but in the Iliad, in fact, they're lovers, aren't they? That's how it worked, wasn't it? You had like team in, in the Greek army, there were teams of... Well, uh, they were encouraged. Yes. They were encouraged to pair up and, in the, and bang in the, each other because the they Spartan, thought that would make a stronger bond. Yes, in the in the Spartan army in particular, yes, you were kind of paired up, and it was yeah. If you, they encouraged romantic relationships between the pairs of warriors because they would protect each other in, in battle. Mm. Um, if you want a really really fantastic book uh, about the Achilles Patroclus myth, told as it should be for a modern audience, you need to read the Song of Achilles. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. I, I've never heard of that, but that sounds Fucking interesting. Fucking brilliant. One of my uh, students recommended it to me, and I kind of had it in my Amazon basket since about Christmas time, and I never actually got around to it until lockdown started. And then I ordered it and read it. <laughs> and um, I was um, sending back some email uh, feedback to, to this student. And I said, I've just finished the song of Achilles now, and I'm crying. <laughs> Thanks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Why was he crying? Is it in, no, it was me. Very it was me crying. Oh, you were crying. I was crying. <laughs> was it, is it just very, very moving? Very, very moving. Yeah, one of what well, probably one of the best books I've read in the past like five, seven years. Mm. Speaking of very, very moving, I mean, I don't know if this is just because I'm an Uber Queen fan. I couldn't help but get emotional when watching the Live Aid scene, just from a sense, not even that it made it made me sad. It just made me almost tear up because I was like, damn, Queen are just so fucking awesome. <laughs> like when when they started doing We Are The Champions, I was like, god damn it, Queen are the best. Yeah, this is the, it, that was a very emotionally moving moment. And I am kind of struggling to think of a moment in Rocket really Man that Rocket has Man that same gravitas. Mm, yeah. Even though I do connect with, say, ind- individual songs Elton John's done yeah. in a similar way that I do with Queen songs, the, the, the film never made me 
realize in the way that Bohemian Rhapsody did just how awesome Elton John is. Yeah, it has like emotional moments of yeah, like for like when El- Elton almost has his overdose and whatever. But yes, yeah. it's, it's, it's like you said, nothing had that same kind of that real kind of core hitting moment than like the Live Aid concert did. Yeah. I'm also thinking of that moment when he's uh, walking out of the, when he has had his di- AIDS diagnosis and then the other person in the corridor just goes, hey, oh. Mm, that, so that got him. to me as yeah. well. Yeah, that's, that's moving, isn't it? Yeah. I remember my mother's vinyl box Hearing music's pop renaissance A kind of magic on that yellow brick road Mercury flowed through my veins and my heart would explode It was an education that I got But through that needle blasting malafire up And while they passed into the Hall of Fame Hollywood drafted by our pigs to rekindle the flame And well, who thought rocking was gritty shocking Give the sex and drugs tail spill the boomers dream of their bygone youths and they feel less over the hill. Oh, Lordy Mama, kids like it too. Malekintar and get great reviews. Let's make more films on gay culture, break taboo. Whining about the timeline, you nitpicking thralls. Please stop it now. The narrative devices, so the plot doesn't crawl. Please stop it. Yet some people get shafted. Please stop it. But the effect is protracted. Use your brains to figure out what's factual. It is funny how we tend to consider musicals to be very emotional things. That's that's because that's the whole point of a musical. It's like you know when you can't talk about your emotions, you sing about them. Yeah. Sort of thing. Yeah. But it just didn't have the same kind of emotional intensity as just those very small moments in Bohemian Rhapsody. It always, it always reminds, especially about rock musicals, sort of diverting to another, on a tangent, a little thing about, you know, School of Rock. In the School of Rock extras, <laughs> Jack Black's explaining the difference between musicals and sort of films about music, isn't he? Yeah. Where he has that bit where he's like, this is not a musical. A musical would be like... I'm hungry, I'll get some cheese. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> do you remember that bit? Where yeah, the reason why everybody hates musicals, essentially. Yeah, yeah, they just burst out into song for no reason. I think for that reason, that's why I kind of preferred Bohemian Rhapsody. Even in, even though I do love musicals, they have their place. I think they're a medium yeah. for the stage. Exclusively for the stage. Um... I'm almost thinking if, kind if, of yes. Well, if they actually, are film musicals, I generally only enjoy them if they're very well done remakes of an already existing stage musical. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I am trying to think of musicals that have transitioned to the big screen and I only really go to see them for the spectacle of seeing that story 
on a screen. Yeah. I'm thinking, for instance, about Les Mis. Like, uh, w- the first time I went to see Les Mis, I enjoyed the spectacle of seeing Les yeah. Mis on a big screen. Yes. Was it a good film or a good adaptation of the Les Miserables musical? No. No, I enjoyed Les Mis for what the medium of film could bring to it, like spectacular locations mm. yeah. and shots and CGI and the scale of everything. Although, I did not actually, en- now, but but for something like the, the Greatest Showman, that has never been a stage musical. Mm. That was didn't particularly good. enjoy it. Oh really? Didn't, no, not really. No, I mean you that- don't like Hugh Jackman either, do you? No, I fuck I fucking love Hugh Jackman. I think he's the bee's knees. I just don't think he should sing anymore. I just think God he's, on he's, he's got my yeah, yeah. He's he's got he's got what um I what I call shaky old man voice. Yeah, because this is kind of with musicians, you know, it's like I guess it's like anyone when they're young, they have like a fire in their belly, and the best playing is always when they're young because it's like they've got something to prove. Yeah, and the best singing is always when when they're young, and then they they have a period of expansion. Somewhere down the road, they in, create their magnum their prime, opus. Yeah. yeah, they have their period of creative expansion. Expansion, but then they do start to taper off and become more conservative and just a little bit. Well, the the, the voice is the only instrument. Yeah, the voice is what that gets deteriorates. Hit. The voice is it? well, it's the most noticeable because you do notice it with certain guitar players. Say as they get older, yeah, but not their in fingers the same... start to get arthritic. Yeah, like, but not say, in the same way that a voice will deteriorate. Yeah, because the voice literally is. It's like it's like being an athlete in a sense that they have a prime mm. and. You know, they have to do a lot of work to keep their voice in check, warm-ups and exercises and training. And as you get older, it's like, you know, it is like being an athlete. You're just not what you used to be. Mm. And I characterize that by calling that when when a singer's gone past the prime, I call it shaky old man voice. And the people that have got it, Elton John's got it. Yeah. Billy Billy Joel's got it big yeah. time. Yeah. Hugh Jackman has it, which I didn't think he would because he's only um, in his 40s or 50s. Paul McCartney has it. Paul McCartney has it, yeah, big time. Bowie had it to an extent, but I actually think yeah. that Bowie's voice sounded better. As- <sighs> well, you see, a lot of artists do. Elton's voice, I like Elton from about the early 2000s, late 90s, just before shaky old man voice set in. <laughs> just before it set in, but old enough that, you know, sort of during the Lion King sessions, I thought his voice sounded best. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah that is so very much like it. So shall we move on to the Coscas? Yes, indeed. It's time for the Quaskers. Who's the best and who's the worst? The Academy don't know shit. We shall decide. So for in film it's really going to be a comparison of both films who do we think ultimately should get the best leading man spot out of Taron Egerton uh, t- 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 Timble Timble von Egerton I don't know Timble Tarragon Taron Scrambled Egerton Tarragal Eggs Benedict Tarragon and Chicken Egerton yeah and Ramin Malik and Ramin Malik uh I don't know why the internet fucking loves Taron Egerton. Um and this this first hit me when I went with a group of friends before Rocketman came out to see 
Kingsman. Kingsman, yeah. Yeah, and then Kingsman, The Golden Circle, which is probably, actually, uh, on an interesting side note, how this project would have got started, because Elton John has quite a significant cameo in the second Kingsman. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. So obviously he must have met Taron and thought he was a good Through candidate Through that and thought that. he would have been a candidate for to play him. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yes, I, 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 I don't also see where the adoration of uh, Timblesnatch Egbiton comes from yeah, either. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yes, I think my best in film would 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 have to go to to Ramin. There were flaws yeah. in his performance, certainly, but ultimately, I think as an actor, he did the a voice. Bit of I a think job. needed more work. Yeah, but because he sounds very dead serious all the time. Or Whereas, even to like, to get him to dub his lines again, like yeah. when when they'd filmed the scene, just get him to redub them in a studio mm. without the prosthetic I mean, in his mouth. Actors. Actors hate that, apparently. Actors really hate doing overdubs once they've done a take. Mm. Because it's like musicians. Actors probably love the feeling of doing it live more because they can feel it. And going back and redubbing it in a studio probably takes... A lot of the fun out of it. Yeah, and some of the feeling and the creativity out of it. But having said that, it wouldn't have hurt maybe for for bits where he was a bit for too one or serious. Two, for one or two lines where 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 the prosthetic was really quite noticeable, it, it could have been done. I thought. Yeah. But, yeah. Definitely. Mm, yeah, but ultimately, yeah, yeah, and I think our best in film has got to go to to Ramin over Tangleton. Absolutely, and I think Rami Malek got and possibly won the the Oscar for best performance, did, yes, didn't he? I'm yeah. pretty sure he won it actually. Yeah, yeah, for Freddie Mercury, which was it sort of came out of left field because the film itself. In my mind, there was no doubt that it wouldn't win Best Film because it was a good film, but it wasn't like a Best Film category winner. Mm. But he certainly was, he certainly gave an Oscar worthy performance. Yeah, I it's think. interesting you say that. Yeah, it wasn't necessarily like a, a, best, a best Film winner, but it certainly was mm. a Best Actor mm. performance. And biographies yeah. very often aren't, because, very, well, very, very seldom are Best Film winners because mm. they're not doing anything original, really, are they? They're yeah. telling a story that's already been lived and told. Mm. What do you think about Worst in Film then? See, for this one, it's a bit easier for me to pick out because I think of of the two films, is there any one actor who really steps out to me as thinking, mm, I didn't really like that performance so much? You know, I think maybe Richard Madness, John Reed, uh, because it's not necessarily what he did with it. I think he acted it very well. I think it was what they were trying to do with John Reed because he, obviously, having gotten the double shafting from both of these films, <laughs> he was Rocket Man much really more... took it to the nth degree. I swear. He was a bit more 2D. He was a bit of a 2D character. He was a villain, Rocket wasn't Man. he? Yeah, he was a, yeah, he was he was a, a fucking villain, villain. It's never that black and white in real life, to no. be honest. Like, I bet, you know, if you hear both sides of the argument, Elton was probably an asshole in a relationship as much as John Reed could be. But, well, mm. actually, I, I don't know what, what I believe. But, you know, there's always two sides to the story. Because uh, John Reed's got his own autobiography, because he's a he is on the Voice in Australia, I think, isn't he? Or is it Britain's? Or is it Australia's Got Talent? Or something like it's that? It's something like that because like, yeah. he's like the Sharon over there because he's a, a very very creditable talent agent. Oh, do you mean um, you mean uh, Simon Cowell, don't you? Yeah, he's not he's, Sharon. Well, Sharon Sharon Osbourne. <laughs> Sharon! Was, Sharon Osbourne was also a very big talent agent. Oh, she, was she? She wasn't just yeah. on there because she was Ozzy Osbourne's wife. No, well, that's how she met Ozzy. She was his talent agent, and she managed oh. Gary, Gary Moore and a bunch of other people. Oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah, I didn't know that. No, yeah, she's done a lot of good work in her own right as a manager for a <laughs> lot of these acts. Yeah, it's funny though that we've never really had like a backlash from John Reed about his portrayal, especially in Rocket Man, because. Yeah he got such uh, a heavy villain role in that I've, film. I've read some of his responses and the, to be honest, I think they're quite graceful. He, he, they basically think, say that, yeah, me and, Elton's have, me and Elton have had our ups and downs, but we're on pretty good terms now and if I saw Elton, I'm pretty sure it would be pleasant. Yeah. 
Which is interesting because that's not that's not what the film. That's not the message that comes across, is it? Yeah. So in a sense, Richard Madden acted John Reed very well, but I didn't like what they did with his character. So worst in film for me goes to Richard Madden. My my worst in film also comes from Rocket Man. Mine uh, goes to Dallas Dallas Howard as Elton's mum. Right. She also, I think, got a bit of the two D. Treatment as another kind of villain role. Yeah, when it comes to Elton's parents, it it makes it seem like both of them just didn't want him at all. Yeah, and that was a little. I thought that was a little bit unfair, especially to his dad. Not maybe so much to his mum, but um, it, it she 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 just didn't have a lot of depth to her. Yeah, and she yeah. was just irresponsible. Didn't really like her own son. And then had once affairs. he was famous and successful, seemed like she was a bit of a leech on him. Yeah, to be honest. and and then like had has the gall to say to him, "Well, you're gay, and you're and you're you're choosing to be gay, and you'll mm. never find happiness, etc., yeah. etc." Yeah. But again, wouldn't it have been a bit more of a compelling line uh, to go down with, with exploring? why she thought that and why she would have been raised to believe that and say that yeah because that that, because she almost certainly probably would have been a product of her time and that would have been what a lot of people back then would have believed about gay people and the gay community Mm, yeah so what yes and i think that that was a a very easy way for the to be honest to shoehorn in this villain story arc for her what you've just mentioned about sort of going into her story and why she would believe the things she believed you've sort of already explained it for yourself i think it wouldn't be worth going into it that much because because we're just just, expected to know that really well well, to be honest you've just explained it in a sense that she was a product of the fifth of like the 50s yeah this is true but then it's also counteracted in the film by the the other musicians that elton comes across and but because bernie torpin is absolutely fine with but he's he's a young man isn't he yeah that's like saying the next generation like today, they're they're more liberal, and gener- the generations they steadily get more liberal, don't they? That's yeah, just a, but it, a trend. it seems like it's kind of brushed aside with some people, and then it's and then we're expected to kind of figure that out with others. Mm. But yeah. anyway, yeah, that no, her character I think would be the worst in film for me. Yeah, yeah. What do we think about best supporting? It's very difficult for me because, on the one hand, I thought, um, who, who's the chap who played Brian May? Gwilym Lee. Yeah, I thought his character study of brian was spot on his yeah. movements his accent his little yeah even if, the way he like turns his head if he's, he's doing like, brian may in rupaul's snatch game he would have that character yeah. study on even perfect. to the way like he moves on stage and yeah. has his has his sort of mouth open when he's doing an intense shred solo or something like that you know yeah <laughs> y- yeah that um, kind of yeah there's very fact, little movements yeah he was very good, so it's a close second. But in fact, I thought Jamie Bell was very good as Bernie Taupin. And I identified with the the brotherly friendship that Elton and Bernie had because of his performance more than I think I did with Freddie's um, kinship with, with, with his Brian. bandmates. It's yeah. interesting you say that because, yeah, my um, uh, my choice was going to go to Bernie Taupin or Brian May. Mm. But I, I, I fall more on the side of Gwilym as Brian because I just, I did enjoy his performance so much. And it was... Yeah, it was Brian, wasn't it? Yeah, it but was. But the thing is, I yeah. don't know whether Jamie Bell is doing Bernie to a T. That's the yes, thing. because Bernie hasn't been filmed and, and yeah, documented. Yeah, he's a bit more out of the spotlight, that. yeah. Yeah, Interesting. So we can't we can't really know that, but I just felt it connected more on a level with like they have this weird thing they say where well Elton John always says it that him and Bernie Taupin have never had an, an argument. argument in their lives, and I feel like even though they went through some rough times, that's reflected in the film, isn't it? 
Yeah, so even like the, the, the quote-unquote arguments that they have in Rocketman, you can kind of tell that that was kind of a more of a one-sided thing and it mm. wasn't like them at loggerheads with yeah. each other. It's, it's, always, it's probably the examples in the film, they're all, they were all about Bernie being concerned for Elton John's welfare, weren't they, to be yeah. honest? People don't come to see Reginald Dwight. They yeah. come to see Elton John. Yeah. That's my impression of uh, Tingle Snatch uh, Eggbington. Egg <laughs> Tanard uh, Bernays Eggington. Yeah. Tanard Bernays Eggington. Yeah. yeah. Shall we round off then? Yes, definitely. Oh, that was some heavy conversation about both of these absolute bastions of music mm, well i think they lived very intense full-on and heavy lives didn't they so how can it be anything else i mean there's there's no way that either of these films could both be unentertaining with the uh, <laughs> with the lives that these two people have mm. led yeah what, what i was disappointed that there weren't any dwarves running around with bowls of cocaine on their heads <laughs> That, that would have been a thing I would have loved to see in the Bohemian Rhapsody musical. It's funny you say that, because I was just, just thinking of a scene that they left out. There. Apparently there is a story, it's not been confirmed by the palace, but when Princess Diana was having a hard time with mm. uh, with Charles, apparently Freddie Mercury dressed her up like a gay man and took her clubbing to the gay nightclubs in mm. London. Mm. I wanted to see that scene. He's outrageous, <laughs> he, he just doesn't give a shit. The, the thing is, because there's so much to cover in a biopic of someone's life, a lot of... You'll have to make cuts. The ju- Yeah, a lot of the juicy bits get left out. They, they don't, neither of them fail to mention that, in fact, Elton and Freddie were both remarkably good friends. And oh, yeah, they, <laughs> I didn't they'd, know that. They'd always... Elton would send Freddie flowers, and Freddie used to send Elton bits of art... Because I mean, having said that, art. that would have been incredibly cringy to make like a cameo in the other film, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but just, just something so that we know some kind of reference yeah. would have been nice, wouldn't yeah. it? Yeah. Like, th- there's a great thing I heard in an Elton John interview that I think like a week before Freddie Mercury died and he had pneumonia, he saw a piece of art and he thought of Elton John. And he he sent him that piece of art, and it's one of you know Elton's treasured possessions because he's. Because I think he received it after he then had died. He'd yeah. posted it and then Freddie had died and yeah. then it actually got yeah, to Elton yeah. by the time it was, and, that he died. And yeah. they, were, they were obviously close enough friends that they had nicknames for each other because on, on the description it said something like, to Sharon, I, I, thought, <laughs> I thought you'd enjoy this because apparently they used to all get together and Freddie, yeah. Rod Stewart and Elton would all get together and they had they used to do a drag show and they had drag names for each other. And obviously Sharon was Elton's drag name. I want to be a fly on the wall for that. <laughs> no, I know. Yeah. That's why I mentioned the bowls of cocaine running around. That's, that's Roger Ta- One of Roger Taylor's stories that he swears <laughs> at one of the parties. There were, there were midgets going around with bowls of cocaine on their heads and people just like, as they went past would pick some pick cocaine out. Snort. Yeah. I mean, I, looking at Roger Taylor, he's probably done more of that than he cares to mention. <laughs> the man, the man, Pot kettle black mm, Roger. The man does not have a septum. The man does not have a septum left. <laughs> For those who well, don't know, the, the septum is that little bit in inside the nose, nose that yeah. if you do lots of cocaine, starts to disappear. Well, on that harrowing and horrific image. Yeah. <laughs> Shall we say goodbye, Tom? Let's call it there, yeah. <laughs> Bye! Bye-bye. Bye-bye.